On today's show, a massive comeback by the Grizzlies. The Warriors go up 3-0, and the Mavericks hold on to win in Utah. A wild night of playoff basketball. We break it all down on a Friday edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a Friday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily podcast on the NBA. However you may be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mares, and on today's show, the Grizzlies mount a huge playoff comeback that could end up saving their season, and a familiar issue crops up for the Jazz. But we begin today in Denver, where the three Splash Brothers gave the Warriors a 3-0 lead in the series with a 118 113 win over the Nuggets. Golden State came into the night with a 2-0 series lead and as the new favorites to win the championship, according to Las Vegas, and took a 10-point lead into halftime. But Denver had some fight left and outscored them 30-18 to in the third quarter. And from there, uh, we had a game. Jokic's layup gave the Nuggets a two-point lead with 320 to play. But a big offensive rebound by Andrew Wiggins. Jordan Poole's crazy reverse layup, Steph's drive, and Draymond Green's pickpocket on Jokic in the end sealed the win for the Warriors as they ended the game on a 9-2 run. Steph Curry finished with 27 points, Klay Thompson had 26, Jordan Poole had 27, and now the Warriors are up 3-0 and look to be control in this series. Uh, so the Nuggets made that big run in the third quarter. They had a chance to get a win on their home floor a big night for Jokic, 37 points, 18 rebounds, five assists, three steals. Uh, but the Warriors were just too much in the end, Adam. They were. I mean, they're the Warriors are clearly, if you just went through the top players in this series, the Warriors probably have five of the top six. And mm-hmm. it, this was one of those games where I thought Denver played near-perfect basketball by their standards, you know, based on what was available to them. Uh, and it just wasn't enough. As you mentioned, Jokic was great tonight. After the game, Draymond talked about how uh, you know, this was a game where Jokic kind of just had his number. Um, he was a plus three in his minutes, but Denver just couldn't get any stops down the stretch. And um, the play of the game came with about two and a half, I think two minutes and 19 seconds left. I believe the game was tied. Uh, it was so hard to get stops against that death lineup with Jordan Poole there. Mm-hmm. And they Warriors miss a shot. Will Barton, Jeff Green, Monte Morris, all standing in the paint, just stand there if, thinking they have an easy rebound. Andrew Wiggins snakes in from the corner and steals it right from all three of them who just didn't even see him coming and gave them a second possession that resulted in a three. It was those types of plays where Denver needed to be perfect, and they almost were, but just little mishaps down the stretch uh, ended up tilting this in the Golden State's favor. Yeah, Michael Malone was sort of asked about what the the key difference in the game was, and he basically said the details, and he started to talk about some of those plays that you were mentioning there. Uh, just a great offensive rebound by Andrew Wiggins, uh, and it just sort of further exacerbated the issue that has been plaguing Denver this entire series, was that their perimeter play just isn't up to what Golden State's perimeter play is. And there were moments in that third-quarter run, Adam, where it felt like Jokic, Jokic was starting to figure things out a little bit. There was some give-and-go actions with him and Aaron Gordon. He was yeah. finding cutters below the basket, and I was like, oh, wow, maybe he's kind of solving it. And this is obviously Jokic's best game of the series. He started to kind of look like the MVP that we saw in the regular season. Um, But it just still wasn't enough, despite, you know, Aaron Gordon's best game in the series to Jokic's best game in the series. But despite all of that, they just couldn't hang on. I think there was one interesting choice made tonight. I mean, just to kind of give you a a sense of how 
shorthanded and desperate Denver is tonight. They played Faku Composo for the first time in several months as yeah. hey, you get into a playoff series with Stefan clay and, and Jordan Poole playing like he has. And Denver just has no answers that they tried a guy that has been on the shelf literally for months. Uh, and of course it didn't work. I think Faku tonight in, in something like 10 minutes was a minus 10 or so. I think it was actually worse than that. Uh, let me look it up here. Composo, four minutes, a minus 10. So you talk about a game that ended up being uh, a five-point game. Those four minutes where they just break glass in case of emergency, let's try this guy out, and it was an absolute disaster. But I thought the interesting thing tonight, Denver is trying to solve that new-look death lineup. They're trying to figure out right. a way to do it. And I think most teams, not just Denver, are going to be pretty hopeless. I mean, you're talking about three guys who are currently shooting 40-plus percent on volume. Uh, mm -hmm. in Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole throughout the series. Um, so it's going to be tough, I think, for anybody in that lineup. But the thing is, Denver has to score. And tonight, they put Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon back at the 3-4 position. And coming into tonight's game, Michael Malone was talking about Golden State does not respect those guys. They're not guarding them. Oh. Well, they closed tonight with those guys on the court, and Golden State was just overloaded on Jokic. I thought it was a very weird decision, especially after having two days where you're addressing the media saying you were going to go somewhere else to go back to that same lineup and get the same result. I thought that was a very questionable decision by Denver. I know this has been the story for the entire year for Denver, but I couldn't help but watch this game and be like, what does this look like with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., right? And and you kind of look forward to maybe seeing this series next season when those guys are hopefully healthy. And obviously Golden State has kind of figured out their identity with the new death lineup and all these things. But um, I'm with you. I, like, I think the the new death lineup or whatever we're calling it, and I, I really hate all the nicknames. I don't think it needs a nickname. How about it that? It's a death lineup. It doesn't need a nickname. I think it's the death lineup. Like you could have a yes. death lineup and it's just, it does it, like, it why do we have it's evolving. It's sacred for Harrison Barnes. Like we have to preserve the Harrison Barnes <laughs> legacy. Like, come on, we can just, it's a, it's a death lineup. It's a death lineup. Death lineup 2020. 2020. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, look, I, I just, the nuggets just don't have the guys to punish them. Right. Like I, I think it right. is, it, I'll be interested to see what that looks like against a team that has perimeter defenders and also guys who can punish Jordan Poole and a more limited version of Clay Thompson and even I Steph think I think that's off the, the dribble. Key. I think yeah. that's the key of this is that's a great two-way lineup right now, but I wonder if it's that's just because Denver is so limited that they're able to help off. Right. I don't know that too many defenses are going to be able to stop them because of how good their shot making is. They'll have cold nights, no question. But I think the thing that it allows them to get away with that lineup is that Denver can't punish them on the other end. Uh, and tonight, I kind of hope Denver would have leaned into an all-offensive lineup, maybe tried a Bryn Forbes and a Bones Highland and just said, hey, we're going to put some shooters out there. We know we're not getting stops anyway, but we're going to try to score every time on them. And, and they just didn't do that. And tonight, what happened? Golden State scored a lot down the stretch, and Denver had to grind every possession over the last five minutes, and it, it, it ended up being the difference. Obviously, nobody knows the Nuggets better than you do, and I just I, I want to zoom out a little bit on on the Nuggets right now and just uh, again, Nikola Jokic's best game of the series. Like I said, it felt like he started to figure some solutions and counters out. But what have you made of Jokic in this series so far through three games? Well, I think Draymond's done a great job on him, yeah. you know, over, especially over those first two tonight. I thought Jokic dominated that matchup, you know, and really. Uh, 
had saw, I mean, he has been great against the Kavan Looney iterations of the Warriors. In fact, I think the Nuggets are winning those minutes. It's just been that small ball lineup with Jordan Poole has been so overwhelmingly dominant that the Warriors have only deployed it for five, six minutes per game. And that's been enough to make these enormous runs. So the question was, how could you solve that specific one? And I thought tonight, uh, Jokic did a great job. He knocked down two three-pointers, which were huge. He'd been in a little bit of a slump with his three-point shot, and he just kind of took it to Draymond. He also drew fouls on Draymond tonight, yep. which was not thing he hadn't been doing. So I thought this was a fantastic A-plus game. And by the way, he made a bunch of defensive plays throughout the course of this game that were that were pretty clutch, you know, like yep. came at very big moments. So um, I thought he had a great game tonight. I thought Aaron Gordon had a bounce-back game. He's had a pretty atrocious series uh, up until this point, and I think that Golden State had kind of been giving him an earful about how bad he had been. But tonight, Aaron Gordon battled. He battled through some adversity early and ended up having a good game. But here's a crazy stat for you, Wes. Top scores for the Nuggets through three games in the playoffs. Jokic has 88 points. Will Barton has 49, about half of that. And then Aaron Gordon has 33, the third oh leading gosh. scorer, averaging 11 points per game in this series. Just to give you a sense of how much Denver is struggling, the third leading scorer on their roster. It's wild. Um, I'm glad you brought up Draymond, too, because obviously his one-on-one -on -one defense on Jokic has been kind of the thing that has changed this entire series. It's turned what I think a lot of people thought would be a Warriors win in maybe like six or seven games into basically uh, a 3-0 lead right now, right? right? It's because they could play Jokic one-on-one, -on -one, and then they could close out on all these guys who are not really options, and then you can throw timely doubles, maybe even a little earlier in the shot clock and things like that, right. which we've seen Golden State's defense do, but... Draymond be having five fouls and still swiping at that ball on Jokic. Now, yeah. it was a big play. It was an impressive play. I think it's being made a little bit too much of a thing because, like, the Warriors the game were already was up. Over. Yeah, it the was, game was yeah. over. But. It was already over at that point, but it was cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, like, again, zooming out, um, this is why I think the Warriors are now considered the favorites. Draymond Green showing that he is that elite uh, all-world defender because, you know, he was dealing with some injuries and stuff during the regular season. Getting back to that level, uh, I think, is as big of a deal for the Warriors as Jordan Poole's emergence. I really do. Because when you have that guy at the middle of everything, um, it unlocks everything that the Warriors want to be trying to do. Especially make, with that make, make no mistake about it, Wes. This team's most important player is Steph Curry. And right next to him, like yeah. right there, is Draymond Green. Jordan Poole has been fantastic. He's the leading scorer in this series, I believe. I can't, I'd have to check that. Uh, but he had a 27 again tonight on a very efficient mm -hmm. 9 of 13. He has been absolutely incredible. But he is just sort of that bonus that makes them impossible yeah. to guard. What makes them, you know, the the favorite or, 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 or a true contender this year is Draymond Green is, in my opinion, the most impactful singular defender in all of the NBA when you talk about all the different – he's, by the way, on some of these possessions, not just guarding Jokic, but he'll guard Jokic and then rotate mm -hmm. over to close out on a corner. Just He is so locked in on exactly what it is the team needs, and he covers up for everybody on that side of the court. It's actually truly unbelievable to watch. And then, of course, Steph Curry, we all know he's still on a minutes restriction, but when he's on the court, he occupies so yeah. much of members' attention that it's making it easier for guys like Jordan Poole to get going. I know Steph's on a minutes restriction, but can we stop all this stuff about the jokes about him being sixth man of the playoffs? It's like, just start him. I'm so over that. Like, it's so ridiculous. Just start him. I don't want to watch a Warrior. I don't want to watch the first like three minutes of these Warriors games. I'm like, just put Steph in. That's what this we're all here funny. for. Well, this is what I don't think people, if you're not watching the series, what people don't realize is that the Warriors really are like the Nuggets are playing the Warriors even in all yep. of these minutes, except for that death ball lineup, which they go to 
for five, six minutes a game. And then they have these other like sub iterations where maybe Otto Porter's in for Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. or, you know, like a little change to it. But they all, all told there's probably 10 minutes a game. It's those 10 minutes that they are winning so overwhelming that yeah. they can afford to play Steph off the bench. And they can afford to do all this other stuff because as long as they're within 10 points, they know they can go to that lineup for five minutes and go on a 20 to five run. Yeah. Coming up next, we break down the Grizzlies' massive comeback in Minnesota. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam. It's out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Just take it from Matthew B. who writes in, In a matter of seconds, I saved 660 bucks for the year on my DirecTV bill. Saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill. Saved $840 a year on car insurance. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of year, uh, dollars a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's also talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll get to the Mavericks win over the Jazz in a bit, but first, a great comeback or an epic collapse with the series lead on the line in Minnesota. It was all Timberwolves early who outscored the Grizzlies 39 to 21 in the first quarter. The Grizzlies were down uh, to the Timberwolves by as many as 26. They were down 21 with a minute left in the quarter. And then, well, it was all Grizzlies who used a 21 to zero run to bridge the third and the fourth quarters and got them back into the game. The Grizzlies outscored the Timberwolves 37 to 12 in the fourth and finished the game on a 15 to 0 run over the last 545 to complete a 104 to 95 win in the biggest playoff comeback in Grizzlies franchise history. Job Morant was a big reason for the comeback. He finished with 26 points. Brandon Clark gave them some big minutes in the second half. He had 20 points and eight rebounds. We'll talk more about Memphis in a little bit, but first, what is just going on with Minnesota? Epic, epic collapse. What's better than one 20-point comeback, two 20-point comebacks in one game? I mean, Memphis went down twice. First, they made the big run. They were down 18 points at the end of the first quarter and stormed back. And then to do it again to close out this game was truly incredible. But you're right. I, Whenever there's a big comeback, you can either focus on the big comeback, and, and I think that Memphis deserves a lot of credit. I mean, they just yeah. that's a team that plays with an incredible amount of toughness and grit and belief, and it really fits the grit and grind brand that, that they, they like down there in Memphis. But – Equally, you have to look at Minnesota at this one and think that was a collapse. It was both a great comeback, but also an epic collapse from a Timberwolves team that we know is young uh, and we know has a lot of lessons to learn. 
Um, but down the stretch, and obviously once you get into some of the box score and you look at some of the field goal attempt dis- distribution and some of those things, this is a game that I think is going to sting. And I, it's only game three. It's only two games to one. But this sure feels like one of those games where you say you didn't have a margin for error, but you could lose when you were supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And this is when Minnesota was supposed to win. They were supposed to win because they were up so much and the energy was so great in that building. Uh, it was their building, Carol Anthony Towns, hot mic on the sidelines saying we told them they had to come back to Minnesota. And then basically <laughs> yeah. the the Grizzlies just took off from there. It was not a good look for Cat. We'll talk about him in a minute. But, um, you know, Chris Finch is getting quite a bit of criticism now because during that 21-0 run from the third to the fourth quarter that swung the game, not a single timeout. Not yeah. a single timeout did he take. And uh, I understand the idea of a coach being like, I'm going to let my players play through this. But at some point, I don't yeah. know, maybe like 11 nothing run or like 13 nothing right. run. Like at some point you take the timeout. And the other part of it too is Minnesota's not full of like vets who have <laughs> right. done this before, right? Like at some point you need your coach to kind of take that timeout, give them a break and kind of reorganize them a little bit. I find that really, really strange. And it could have cost them this game. Chris Finch is a fantastic coach. I think he's an underrated up-and-coming coach. But he is also young and basically a rookie at all of this. I mean, think about all the guys that this is their first chance, or if not their first chance, like Carl Anthony Towns went to the playoffs once before. But now as his team and as as the guy, this is kind of a first stab at it. And Chris Finch is right there with him. He's a first-time coach, and I imagine that this is one of those things. I always laugh. We've, we've been around the league with Tibbs for a long time. Mm-hmm. Tibbs will always reference these games. Like, you'll be like, why did you, you know, why did you play a guy so many minutes? Well, because I remember a game back in 2011 where blah, blah, blah. And he'll tell the story. Right. Like, this is one that Chris Finch is going to say, well, I remember a game where I didn't call a timeout for 21, 25-point run or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, you'll remember it forever and be like, note to self, never do that again. Um, going back to Cat, just four total shots for Carl Anthony Towns. He took one shot in that entire fourth quarter. Uh, and when he was asked about this after the game, he next questioned the reporter. Now, it's been a rough series for Cat, not just this game, a rough series overall. It was a tough play-in game for him, despite Minnesota winning that game. I think we're at the point where it's completely reasonable for a reporter to ask him that question, Adam. Of course! Of course it is. Like, here's the thing, man. The playoffs are all about pressure. Like, sports are about pressure, but the playoffs especially so. We don't have to run from that, from athletes, like, to take that away. Like, no, that's actually what it's about. How do you perform under these? So um, even saying the no question part of this to me is a little bit absurd because it's, look, this is your team. You only take four shots. You need to be a part of the reason why. You need to be accountable for that. Mm. And your teammates need to be accountable for that. Eight points tonight from him, five rebounds. This is one of Draymond Green had a great quote tonight, and I think he was sort of sub quoting um, Aaron Gordon, perhaps, or I don't know what the verbal version of subtweeting is, but I think he was really talking about maybe Aaron Gordon or maybe some of the other guys on Denver. But he said, sometimes guys that who you think are guys, you get to the playoffs and realize that they're not. This Oof. is one of those games where it's like, you might have thought this was your team, but now that everybody's sort of in the foxhole with this, yeah. You're, you've got to make it your team. You can't just expect it, them to, to to treat you that way. You've got to you've got to demand that of them. And for you to only get five shots up tonight or, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, four shots up tonight. I'm four sorry. shots. I gave him an extra shot. For you to only get four <laughs> shots up tonight, you have to share in some of that responsibility as the leader of this team. I'm not great at math, but that's one a quarter, I believe. <laughs> it's not great. 
That's not great, especially when Memphis is making all of their changes based on the idea that you're Carl Anthony Towns. You're a borderline all-NBA guy. You're the greatest. Uh, you're one of the greatest shooting big men of all time. You're the, probably the best one in the league right now. And they take out Steven Adams. He doesn't play a lick in the entire game. They play yep. Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. They start the game with uh, Kyle Anderson at the four. And then they end up going to Brandon Clark uh, in, yep. to start the second half. And he was just – he was amazing. Kind of gave them the physicality and that energy that uh, I thought Minnesota had in the first half. And then, you know, uh, Memphis brought in the second half. And – kind of even the game there with that. But, um, you know, you kind of got, like, you saw it happen as the game went on. They got, they being the Grizzlies, got less and less concerned with Carl Anthony Towns. I think even Memphis was kind of looking around. I was like, is this guy just going to not shoot? Because if not, great for us. We'll pack the paint. We'll take away everything else that Minnesota is doing. And they just, they couldn't get any good looks. The drive and kick game was gone, right? Like, all those threes that they were sinking, weren't sinking in the first half. We're not sinking in the second half. And he's just like, Towns, man, you're the guy. You, you're the guy that's supposed to kind of tilt the floor in the favor of your team, and you're just not taking shots. I mean, it's just not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you also look at the bench there. Nas Reed, I know a lot. he was the subject of a lot of conversation out of Wolves practice this week and about how he needs to make an impact. And tonight, you, you know, you go to the stat sheet here, one of five from the field, three points. Uh, three rebounds, but a minus nine in his uh, 10 minutes tonight, which is obviously a, a difference maker in this game. So one of the storylines from the series, as you mentioned, no Steven Adams playing very, very small on Memphis's side. Carl Anthony Towns, obviously one of the best centers in the NBA. And then Naj Reed, I think one of the best backup centers in the NBA. Yeah. Neither one to have an Im- impact tonight. Small ball getting the dub. Um, emotional gut punch to the Timberwolves, right? Is this series over? Uh, I know it's not over. I mean, there's too many momentum shifts. You go, but Minnesota has an uphill battle now. Like you have to like regain confidence and and momentum in this one, and that's going to be hard to do. A win will not regain momentum in the series. It's going to be take more than just a win. It's going to take Carl Anthony Towns, right? Yeah. It, or Anthony, and you know, not to put it all on him. Anthony Edwards didn't have a great game either, but it's not really expected from him. It's more expected from Cat. It's going to just take these guys. Um, something more than Patrick Beverly just waving to the crowd and getting everybody fired up. Like they actually have to start doing something else. Um, all right. Coming up next, familiar issues sink the jazz on Thursday night. We'll talk about that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is truly a standout among protein bars with its exceptional nutritional profile and so many delicious flavors. Built Bar is the favorite protein bar of many discerning fitness trainers and fitness enthusiasts alike. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste better than your current protein bar and are perfect for an after-workout snack or some needed energy in the middle of a busy day or in the middle of a packed wild night of NBA games. I had the uh, the cookie dough crunch one tonight, Adam, uh, at I think halftime of the Warriors-Nuggets game. I just need a little boost to get me through the night. Uh, Built Bars are low in calories and carbs are high in fiber. They're packed with protein. Just check out the macros. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to most protein bars, and Built Bars are a clear winner. Plus, Built Bars come in great flavors, such as mint brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and more. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. And if you haven't tried the Puffs, then you're missing out on one of Built Bars' best-tasting products. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in churro coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie flavors. So here's our offer. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, 
and you'll get 15% off on your order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 at 15% off at Built.com. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, back here with Locked On NBA. One more game to go. Let's go to Utah, where Jalen Brunson's coming out party continued as he scored 31 in the Mavericks' 126-118 to win over the Jazz. The Mavs led by 17 in the third, but the Jazz came back after Donovan Mitchell scored 18 in the third quarter. But Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie got to the basket over and over and over and over in the fourth and helped Dallas hold on to the win. Now, the Jazz are down 2-1 in this series, and they can't stop the Mavericks, it seems. Utah has a defensive rating. They're giving up 121 or 120.1 points per 100 possessions in this series. That is not the Jazz that we have come to know. They had some success when they went small with Eric uh, Pascal at the 5, but overall, they just haven't been able to stop the Mavs' spread offense. And none of this is new for the Jazz, Adam. It's not really new for the Jazz, but I, I Utah's – been I think better than this I mean you have to tip your hat to Dallas tonight I when I look at this obviously Jalen Brunson has been fantastic in the series that spread offense really they've got Dinwiddie they've got Brunson they've got guys that are slippery quick get into the paint and then they're great passers off of that so it keeps you honest and then of course they've got guys that are knocking down their three-point shot tonight they go 18 of 42 but to me the thing I think about with this series is if you recall at the beginning part of the year Wes Luka Doncic had I think the biggest plus minus swing in the NBA in the wrong direction. Meaning mm-hmm. like when he was on the court, the Mavs were not doing very well. And when he was off that, you know, the Mavs were crushing it. And Luke is obviously their best player that, that balanced itself out over the course of the season, especially as he got in better shape and started playing really well. But I bring it up to say that this Mavericks team has actually shown this season that they can win without Luca being at his best or without him winning his minutes. And now you see him off of the court and you're realizing one, they can play defense. They know they're on a string. They know what they're doing. They know their assignments. They, they very, uh, they have very good game plan discipline. And then offensively, as you just mentioned, they've got those quick guards. And when they knock down their threes, they're just impossible to guard. So I know a lot of this is going to be about Utah. If they lose this, this series, especially without Luca there, it's going to be about Utah. But I think that Dallas is just a little bit better than people realized all season. And even without Luca, they're, they're a little bit more competitive than I think people would have guessed. Credit to Jason Kidd. They're well coached. They, you mentioned on a string defensively. They just, they, they are, and they try really hard and they get back in transition and they don't let you get anything easy uh, for the most part. Um, and kind of going to your point of it, like, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment about Denver. It's just like, their perimeter guys can't really guard and we're going to do the whole Rudy Gobert thing. And I think if the jazz do lose the series, it'll be a big Rudy Gobert thing. But part of it is that he's not getting any help from his perimeter guys. Like Donovan Mitchell isn't guarding. Mike Conley isn't guarding the way that uh, he did when he was with the Grizzlies and stuff like that. Like Bogdanovich isn't any help on the perimeter either. And so it's kind of Gobert just being stuck there trying to corral all these guys coming at him. And, the Mavericks are like, all right, we're just going to keep sending dudes. We're going to keep sending Dinwiddie. We're going to keep sending Jalen Brunson. And it's just too much for one guy, even a defensive player of the year, multiple defensive player of the year guy like Gobert to handle. Uh, but Gobert was a minus 16 in this game. Yeah. And Eric Pascal was a plus 29. That's a 25-point swing. Um, I'm, so, I'm such goes- a curmudgeon about this stuff because, I mean, in all of these series, you know, Denver and Golden State, Dallas, and then obviously we were just talking about the Memphis one. 
you know, small ball winning out in these ones and not just small ball. It's mm. that spread. Like, I mean, we're yeah. talking about the Warriors. There's just four elite three point shooters out there. Um, I like basketball when it's not this solvable, but it does feel a little bit so far, at least with those specific teams that, hey, if you make your shots at the level that they are, you're right. Maybe the, there isn't a whole lot that I think anybody can do. We'll see if that regresses over time yeah. and we'll see that it, that trend continues now. Obviously, Joel Embiid, the one guy up 3-0 in his series um, uh, against the, the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Dallas shot 43%. From three-point range tonight what did the warriors shoot uh 45 from three-point range tonight like sometimes that's just do good players making shots and a lot of times also that's just defense is not really uh helping that much in I don't, I don't them but realize how good of shooters are coming into this league yes. year after year like we're 10 years into the steph curry three ball revolution and <laughs> Now the Warriors themselves have added another splash brother. Like to forget all right. the other teams. Like now the Warriors have another guy that, as Draymond put it, really does remind you of Steph Curry. Um, the report now is that Luka Doncic plans to return for Game Four on Saturday. Uh, this feels like with Luka back, Brunson playing the way he is, um, Dinwiddie playing the way that he has, like, and the Jazz just being unable to stop the Mavs already without Luka. Kind of feels like it could be a wrap. I'm not ready to go there completely. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're getting maybe the best player in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, I yeah. shouldn't say that with Luca, but he's been really good this year. I mean, I mean he's, he's up there, he's in the conversation for no question. I mean, you get him back, but it also changes the complexion. I mean, Jalen Brunson yeah. has been very good in this series so far, very good. So in some ways, you take a little bit away from Jalen Brunson, perhaps. Oh, so you're saying you should bring Luca off the bench like the Warriors are with Steph. Hey, man. Well, first of all, can I say something about Steph? He had a great quote about this today. And I honestly, it probably will serve them because when Steph does return to the starting lineup, one of Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins is going to have to go there. Yeah. And Steph being willing and openly talking about it, like that allows for whoever it is that is eventually yep. asked to go to the bench. It just allows for him to say like, look, man, I, if Steph Curry's willing to do it, you are. So, hey, maybe it's not the craziest idea to bring Luke off the bench and just play him there until this series is over. And then in the next one, you get back to your regular rotation. But the story, you asked, like, is this series over? It's not over, but let's be honest. The Dallas Mavericks, or, or I'm sorry, the Utah Jazz are over. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's the unspoken part of all of this is they have been on a downward spiral really all season long, um, it, it, off and on for different parts, but especially right now. And the idea of this team just yeah. fighting back, I don't know that they want it and and – so it only gets harder for them, for them for here. It is too simple. It is too derivative to say you can't win with Rudy Gobert as your center in the playoffs. But if they lose against another spread offense that goes small again uh, with Rudy Gobert there, it, it kind of gets like emotionally done, right? You're just like, all right, like this is just whatever formula that we're using isn't solving for our problem. Like we're not, this isn't working. Right. And so maybe it, it's not, again, not Gobert's fault, but maybe trying to trade Gobert to kind of revamp the roster and kind of change the identity of it might be the best way to go. Like, I don't know, but I'm, I'm with you. This kind of feels like it's, it's the end for the Jazz, and we've seen this I'll, movie before. I'll say this. If I were to, forced to choose between Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, I would take Gobert. I know it sounds crazy because we've seen these playoffs where he can yeah. be this, but like, let's be honest. They've built one of the worst defensive I, – I, I think the yeah. biggest – the thing that's most underrated about basketball right now is one that defense is more about how connected a team is, like how well they rotate, how well their schemes are, and they can execute those and they can think on their feet. And the group is kind Mavericks of are a great example. They have like one like elite level, borderline elite level defender in Dorian Finney-Smith. Everybody else is fine, 
but you're, you're exactly right. Like it's, that's, it's a system thing. Like they're, they're connected. They're on the same page. And it's not just system. It's like, yeah, how quickly can the guys think it? So like you can have a great coach with a great system, but if you don't have players that are smart and can think fast and have developed right. that defensive chemistry, then you're sunk. And then it's also the perimeter defense is just so undervalued. I mean, look at Dallas, or I'm sorry, look at Chicago over the Eastern Conference mm -hmm. right now and the work that Alex Caruso is doing defensively. They have new, uh, Vucevic as their rim protector, not a noted rim protector, actually a pretty bad one. All right. of a sudden, you're giving a hard time to Giannis Attentacumpo, one of the best paint scores, but it's all because they have elite perimeter defenders and perimeter containment, and it elevates everybody there. So defense right now, I think, gets whittled down sometimes to one piece, and Rudy Gobert, who was ineffective in the playoffs. Let's see what happens if Rudy Gobert, if you swapped Robert Williams and Rudy Gobert. What Would, would Boston still, right. have a, a, still have a good defense? They probably would still be number one, if not a little bit better. So there's just a lot to this. And me personally, I look at Rudy Gobert and say what he does is more consistent, more reliable. And by the way, Donovan Mitchell, he seems to be almost annoyed at his situation there. I would be very worried about betting on him and him wanting out anyway, a couple of years down the road. He's just not doing it defensively either. Like all, all the project, like he should be a good defender, long wingspan, really athletic, really strong. Like I remember when he was coming out of the draft out of Louisville, like you're like, yeah, this guy's going to be a really good defender and we'll see what he can do on offense. Like he's explosive right. and stuff. And then, it kind of went it's kind of gone the other way with him i don't know um my big takeaway from this entire show with you adam is that you want to bring luca off the bench yes uh and that you want to tr and you think the jazz should trade donovan mitchell for alex caruso am i right <laughs> you whittled it right down perfect <laughs> all right that'll do it for us today remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on nba wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the nba's top stories every day until next friday you can find me over at Locked On Heat and Adam over at Locked On Nuggets. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Thanks for joining me. Adam.